Hello, and welcome to the TV Movie Rewind Podcast with Matt and Todd. Hello. In fact, actually, today I'm going to be Dr. Maddie Ray's temperature. <laughs> and you, right could be, you could be Todd uh, the cactus, the telegraph vine. There you go. All right. Because we're covering the late 70s, early 80s sitcom WKRP in Cincinnati. Yes. Uh, yes. This is this is a show that has some of the best episodes ever done in comedy. Sure, this is the first. I mean, this is the first TV show that we've done where um, it's also the first one where I've been able to technically. But um, this is the first one we've done where I've watched every single episode. Actually, that's not true. I, I guess I could have done it for Welcome Back, Carter, but this time wasn't permitting. But now that we have our Plex set up and stuff. Um, you know, I, I, it was a lot easier to just like rip through these episodes, so I was able to watch every single one and uh, enjoy them all. Yeah, and this is you know because this is a contemporary to shows we've done earlier, like sure. uh, Welcome Back, Carter, and Taxi. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Um, I can't remember what when Welcome Back, Carter was. I assume it was slightly earlier, but Taxi, I think, is exactly around like seventy nine to eighty five or something like that. Yeah, well, um. Welcome back, starter. Started. Welcome back, Carter. Started prior to the show, I believe, but it was on the air. They were on opposite each other at one point. Oh, okay. So this, and again, it's like uh, like those shows. They kind of short four seasons. Yes, and, um, and that's unfortunate too, because as we'll get to it, I think the fourth season is one of their strongest seasons. It felt like the show was getting back into itself, and I was really digging it. Um, I, I rather liked the fourth season. Some of my favorite episodes were in the fourth season. And, uh, yeah, then it just, spoiler alert, uh, it was canceled. Well, and apparently, you know, it had, had a strong resurgence in the ratings. Oh, did it during the fourth when season? It, when, yeah, when it ended, that's good to it, know, was, I, it was doing yeah. well, but they'd already canceled it. Oh, that's good to know. I mean, and this. I, it's another show that suffered because the network CBS skipped it around the dial. I mean, I, I'm looking at the list I made um, earlier of, you know, some of the episodes that I think, you know, really, really show you what the show is. Right. Um, and I had picked like, and, and it was hard to do because I, I, you know, even then I picked like 38 episodes, which is, you know, probably just a little less than half the show. Um, and I mean that in a good way. And, you know, most of the episodes that I picked, or not most of them, but I picked almost the entire fourth season. I really, I really liked that season. It's, it's a shame that it ended when it did. Well, one of the first season episodes, Turkeys Away, is considered by many to be one of the greatest comedy episodes ever done on television. Sure. Sure. One of my favorites as well. Yeah, definitely. This is definitely an ensemble cast show. It stars. Although um, it, it starts off, um, you know, if you if if you just go solely by the opening, if I remember right, in the early episodes, it just says starring Gary Sandy with Gordon Jump, and that's it. Yes, the first two seasons only Gary Sandy and Gordon Jump are in the yeah. opening credits. Everybody so it, else comes in at the end. Uh, Andy Travis, the would-be program director, and Arthur Carlson, the station owner, respectively, or manager. Well, station right? manager. His mother's the station owner. Right. Right. That's very He's important. So let's break down the characters. Sure. So as we mentioned, we have Gary Sandy as Andy Travis, who in the opening episode appears. He's from he's just moved to Cincinnati from Santa Fe to take over as program director for the 
failing WKRP in Cincinnati. It's an AM station. Right. And we should, I want to point out that as an AM, in 1978, when the show debuted, it was the first year FM was the dominant radio um, frequency. Right. And, and even then, a lot of cars, like FM was a premium option. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Most of them still had emotion. It would be like it would be like Blu-ray in 2010, or say, or which is, I guess, it's more or less the standard now, or like high def. You know, in the earlier 2000s, it was the premium option FM. Yes, WKRP in the show starts out as number 16 in an 18 radio market. Yes. So not the worst. So you got to wonder what was the worst two radio stations. You you got to figure it was just like just farm reports. You know, just nothing but 24-hour farm reports or something, or like weather reports or something. Perhaps. But as the show opens, it's playing um, big band music, basically. You know, Lawrence Welk style. Um, you know, really, really out-of-date music. Sure. And so, and he comes in as the new program director, and he's going to turn it into a rock and roll format. Then we have Gordon Jump, who is the station manager. His mother owns the station. And let's face it, uh, Mr. Carlson is a rather wishy-washy, weak-willed individual who wants to avoid conflict at all costs. 100%. And yeah. he pretty much, you know, hides in his office whenever possible. I mean, sadly, I do, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's about accurate. Like, he means, he does mean well. I think he's ultimately a nice guy, but he's ex- very easily manipulated and yeah he's very wishy-washy um but at the same time like you know i do feel like he'll have your back and is sincere about it like he's not an evil man um no no he he generally will do the right thing even you know but only usually when backed against the wall and he stands up for his employees and his friends we won't talk about when he opened up the bike store um, we'll just stick to his uh, Cincinnati years. Oh, you know what? Let him be the Maytag salesman. Okay, he can be the Maytag salesman. Yeah, that's uh, no, really that doesn't need to be his legacy. The poor man. Then we have Lonnie Anderson, who is plays Jennifer Marlowe, the secretary, yes. who is the highest paid employee at the station. Yes, by by a wide amount, as far as I understand. She is possibly also the most intelligent. Uh, yeah, I'd say she has it the most together of, she, well, that's not really true. Like Venus definitely has it together. Uh, well, but again, she is probably more smart and savvy than any other character in the show. In a worldly sense, I guess. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Savvy. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I, I would say so. She's incredibly attractive. You know, she's all the men want her. She, she dominates the room and she knows it and she owns it. She plays into it, yeah. She plays and, heavily into that trope uh, to right. her advantage. To know? her own advantage, and you know, she's she's uh, normally you would almost expect, especially at the time, that she would be playing the ditzy blonde. Sure, and that sure. is, a and she plays that up at the... one point. You know, every, every you know, at least in one episode, just to play into that trope for that again right. for her advantage. So, but and she's a self-professed gold digger. She dates mm-hmm. older men who are rich. But to her, she general she genuinely cares for the people I, she dates. Well, that's the thing. Like, I feel like on the one hand, 
I guess technically she's a gold digger, but I feel like a gold digger is a bit more aggressive, and that's not the vibe I get from her. I feel like she knows that, look, if I date older men who are really wealthy and obviously want my time and want to be with this hot blonde, they'll give me gifts. Like, I don't think she asks for anything. I mean, maybe kind of does with, like, the batting of an eyelash, but again, I don't think she's really... I mean, no. say what you will, I guess, of how I'm trying to diminish this. But at the end of the day, like, I, I, she knows what she's doing. I'm fairly certain the men she's with knows what she's doing. And they're exactly. both fine with it. Because she is, here's the thing, like, for as insincere as her, as her motivations, rather, might be, she is actually sincere in these relationships when she's in them. Like, she doesn't cheat on the men. She doesn't, you know no. what I mean? Like, she's she's actually in the relationship. She does she does it. You know, she goes she goes the full thing and, and seems to actually like them. Um, part of the vibe that you tend to get, or at least in my opinion anyway, you tend to get towards the end is that, in a way, I think she prefers them because I mean, look at who else she deals with, especially in the case of Herb, who we'll get to, or well, specifically in the case of Herb, who we'll get to. But she deals with, like, much worse people all of the time. I feel like she actually gets along with these men, so she seeks them out. And again, there's this arrangement, and it just kind of works. She go These older guys who are rich are also sincere gentlemen. Exactly, exactly. She goes to – right, that's probably a better thing. She goes for gentlemen, like refined gentlemen, because, again, you know, as you'll see in multiple episodes, what she deals with, uh, you can understand why. Yes, she, she, she wants to live a, a luxurious lifestyle, and that's one of the ways she can do it, as well as being well paid at the, at the uh, radio station. Yeah. Well, we know she's the best paid. We don't know if she's well paid. Well, it's hard to say in the 70s. Uh, yeah, 1979. Like, I'm not really sure how it works. Um, I don't know if I think it's they said 24,000. I don't know if that's a lot in 1979, but we do know it's more than presumably most of the station, except for maybe Mandy. Yeah. All right. So since we brought up Herb, let's go with uh, the next is Frank Bonner, who plays. Uh, sleaze bag Herb <laughs> the immortal the, Herb Tarlick, the, the the yeah, the sleaze bag that really every sitcom needs it, to have. <laughs> He's the think, one. He's the guy. Think of a used car dealer, the stereotypical used car dealer, and that salesman. Herb Tarlick. I mean, he's to me, he's a very good analog to um, uh, Louis, uh, Louis in uh, Taxi. Like they're very similar characters. I mean, Louis takes it to a much like I guess greasier degree, whereas mm. Herb is sleazier. But they're they're very they're, they're similar. <laughs> Herb is sleazier. Louis is slimier. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and I mean this at least in, in I mean this in good with quote fingers way in that these characters they do their job. They're effect they're effectively hateable. He's morally ambiguous. Oh, to say the least. Yeah. You know, he's a that's salesman. probably putting he's... it kind. He's in it for the money, but he's also kind of lazy on certain. But again, we find out throughout the show, he is kind of good at his job. Right. He he's a lot of things, but he's not. Well, he's not completely incompetent anyway, and I don't think he's objectively evil. Um, you know. But yeah, he's 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 hateable. He's clearly not good to his wife because oh, God, no. every time he enters that office and passes Jennifer, he's he's hitting on Jennifer. Right. And and while he does love his children, and I do get that he does, he, he also puts in kind of wife. like the bare minimum. Well, but he's, he's like just, the bare minimum and all that, you know. But he he takes he takes her for granted. He clearly takes his wife oh, and yeah, home wife yeah. for granted. Oh, for sure. Oh, completely, yeah. Yeah. Uh then we have 
uh, news director and news anchorman for the station, the wonderful Les Nessman, played by Richard Sanders. Yeah, I mean, my favorite character where, like, if this was done live, like, he, he would have to get, you know, at the end, he gets the standing ovation, the bow, because he, 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 he steals every scene he's in. He is a nerd and conservative very because he's always worried about the communist agenda he well the thing is he's a staunch conservative but also strangely open-minded at the same time yes like he has his firm convictions but anything that is outside the realm of yeah um uh, soviet you know impending soviet tyranny he's pretty open-minded in fact even a unionist which you wouldn't expect at some point (laughs) Uh, yeah, Les definitely would have fared better in the 1950s than in the late 70s. Oh, for sure, sure. Yeah, no, he's 20 years, 30 years or so out of time. He um, is an award-winning news reporter. He's won the Buckeye News Award yes, five Yes, go times. through the creds, yeah. And he has the Golden Sow Award. Yes. Uh, the, the What about the Copper Cob or the Silver Cob or something like that? Yes. Uh, he's very proud of his hog reports and and... I don't know much about Cincinnati, but from its location, it is obviously near some farm, you know, sure. a, a lot of farmland. So I can see where farmers would be tuning in to his reports and his accuracy and dedication to that because he's right. very unaware of some other things that seem to be like. Well, because he also he, covers sports, which he barely knows. He knows nothing about sports. Yeah. He likes it. He does like sports. He says he this much, but he knows nothing about it. Exactly. Um, next, we have Bailey Quarters, played by Jan Smithers. Yep. And let's face it, this is another one of those um, Marianne and Ginger scenarios, at least in For my sure. opinion. For because sure. we have Lonnie Anderson, who's playing the blonde bombshell, and then who's playing Bailey Quarters. But I'm personally far more attractive to Bailey than I am. Uh, yeah, I, Jennifer, for sure. Yeah, um, and absolutely, Bailey. Yeah, Jennifer's a bit uh, shy and soft-spoken, especially in the beginning. Bailey, you mean? Yes, Bailey, yeah. and she's also very. She's a feminist. She's an activist for sure. Yeah. She's an activist for pretty much think of all the causes of the late seventies, early eighties. Yes. Well, not again, not just feminism, but environmentalist. She's very much the modern late seventies woman. Right. And she strives to get more to do around. Sure. Yeah. No, she's actually interested in the business. She wants to do stuff. She wants to run. Well, she actually wants to run. She wants basically Andy's job. Um, Not necessarily specifically at the station, but that's where she sees herself, at least in the beginning. Yeah. She wants to be a she wants to produce programs. She wants to write for the news. She wants to report the news. And eventually, as the show goes on, she becomes um, part of the news staff with with Wes. Right. Yep. Uh, Moving on. The two DJs we see in the show, we have Tim Reed as Venus Flytrap, yes, who does a the evening show, mostly soul and R and B music, and then we have my favorite character, uh, Howard Hat. Oh, sure, Johnny Fever. Oh, sure, he plays a fantastic burnout, a very lovable uh, burnout. 
He's um, a huge fan of rock and roll. He's been fired from more radio stations than we could probably mention. Right. Not a fan of disco. Not a fan of disco, but unless and we'll get that to a little it's a bit hypocritical. Because when he talks about disco, he talks down about it. And but he also he'll promote rock and roll as well. Shouldn't you give it a listen and give it a try? Well, right. You you're not willing to do that to disco. But I mean Why? that's 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 true with anyone that has like a strong opinion on objective well, art. But let's know. face it, late seventies, early eighties, the thing to do was bash on disco. Exactly. Yeah. So yes, he is a burnout. Who is probably done? He's you know it's still hinted that that he's still. Um, oh sure, like it's it's constantly hinted, and if you watch his behavior, um, you can tell they're implying that he's constantly on something. Usually, probably cocaine and marijuana. No, no, no. It's it's. I'm sure it's marijuana because at that point, you I think he he discusses that he's done with all the hard drugs that he did in the past, and now marijuana is more more than likely the. Um, his drug of choice. I mean, yeah, for for sure. But there were times where it seemed like he was on something a little bit speedier, but sure. I think in the early episodes, they wanted to hint at that, but I I think as the show went on, they wanted to kind of, you know, especially as the game became more popular, they probably wanted him to be a more model for sure. enough. But he is without a doubt, my favorite character in the show. He's amazing. He's he's amazing. This and the interactions a, with him and uh, Tim Reed, Venus Flytrap, are some of my favorite episodes. Like when they're just commenting on on like the ridiculousness going around with the rest of the cast. Like so, some of my favorite episodes are where the rest of the cast is kind of doing something, and that's usually true. Um, like for as much as Howard Hessman is probably the most remembered character from the show, and rightfully so, I suppose. Um, you know, it, it's not like he's not in in every episode, of course. Um, it's just a, a lot of times some of the best episodes are where they're kind of him and him and Tim Reed are sort of the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern of the episode. <laughs> those are some of my favorite. Those are some of my favorite moments. Yes. Well, the, it seemed like they wanted to start it out with um, Andy being the straight man, but they let him get a bit more comical as things things go on. Like, you know, here's this new guy dropped into the zany cast of characters, right. which they force. But it's, it's an ensemble show. It, it that, definitely, This show doesn't work if you take any of the pieces away. Oh, for sure not. Like even, you know, even if I say my favorite characters, it's just mostly because they get to have that interaction with the rest of a great cast. Like if you take away the rest of the cast, they don't have that interaction. So, you know, it, it all becomes meaningless. Um, I 100% agree with that. Yeah. So let's talk about probably what is the most famous episode and is generally highly rated amongst, you know, comedy bits is the episode, first season episode, Turkey's Away. Yes. And the the basis of the episode is that the station is improving under Andy's program change and things are changing around the station, but Mr. Carlson... Les Nesman and Herb Tarlick, who have been with the, the longest standing employees at the station, are feeling left out of what's been going on. And they want to prove that they can still have an impact on the station. They can 
Mr. Carlson decides he's going to come up with a big Thanksgiving Day promotion. He won't tell anybody what it is, but he brings in Les and Herb, and they're going to do something extraordinary. Yes, because it's established early and often that while Mr. Carlson means well, he doesn't do a ton. Um, He gets involved, like you said, when he's bored. Um, so, you know, the, the earlier parts of the episode where he's just trying to like find something to do are kind of fun. Like Gordon Jump is great. And, you know, he, he doesn't, he personally doesn't like rock and roll. He doesn't get rock and roll. It's not his thing. So he doesn't really get the culture of it either. Right. So as far as anybody else in the station can tell, he, Carlson has come up with a turkey giveaway for Thanksgiving. Yes. So... Innocent enough. They cut to most of the cast is now in the booth. It's one of the you know one of the sets of the show is it takes place very often in the broadcast booth. I I love how this is all laid out, like how they do this whole thing. Yeah, it, and and yes, they're they're in the booth. Johnny Fever's on the one, and Les Nesman is out in a parking lot at a local shopping mall yeah. reporting from on scene. He's on the scene, and Richard. Sanders is absolutely brilliant. He it is all on him to sell the comedy of this moment. Right, because all you can see is his reaction to something he's seeing, you know, up yes. in the sky. And this is radio. It perfectly represents what the listeners would be hearing as well. Right, like when they cut back to the studio, like you know, it's it's a it's it's great how this whole thing unfolds. So the whole thing unfolds as you know he's narrating. Um, looking off into the sky, you can't see what he's seeing. You just see him looking out and narrating the scene, and then they'll just cut back to the reaction of the rest of them in the booth. And I just, I don't know. It's just, it's just extremely well paced. I, I love that juxtaposition because even Lester doesn't know it. what's going on as he's reporting. You know, no. here comes a helicopter, you know, flying in, and oh, it's carrying a banner that says "Happy Thanks." Giving, oh, happy Thanksgiving from WKRP. And, you know, yes. of course, they're all in the booth reacting like, how do you not know? Well, that's as, as he's talking. Oh, it seems like the skydiver has jumped out of the, the helicopter. No, no, not a skydiver because the parish no parachute is <laughs> even talking about it it's got me laughing because no matter how many times you see this episode it's gonna make you laugh oh his yeah no his 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 narration and then just cutting back to the booth to the reactions are just fantastic because as he's as he's narrating uh you know apparently carlson and uh herb tossing our, these poor turkeys out of a helicopter at like 2,000 feet throwing live turkeys out and Herb is reacting as if he's the, the famous reporter on scene during the Hindenburg disaster. Because he even uses the term, the, the line, oh, the humanity. Oh, the humanity, yeah. Because as now, you know, once he realizes that they're turkeys, yeah, people running and screaming in every direction. So <laughs> the reaction of the boost is hysterical. They shut it down. And then even the end is brilliant as after it's all over. Gordon Jump comes in as Mr. Carlson. All it it should have worked. 
it it it, it should have worked. They look shell shocked, and of yes. course, the great line, final line of the episode is is Gordon Jump saying, "As God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly." Yes, but even before that, when the shell shocked Les Nesbitt comes into the station, yes, describing the aftermath. Just, Describing it how when they decided to try to land and free the last of the live turkeys, the turkeys seemed to get organized and let a counterattack. Turkeys away is just one of the funniest, you know, especially it, whether you go in the 70s. It is just one of the best comedy episodes ever. Ah. Uh. And then, you know, again, there's I, I find season one to be the strongest. And like you said, season four comes back. Yes. And uh, I, I think it's because season one and season four, I mean, again, you know, watch for yourself and decide for yourself. But to me, I think season one and season four are very similar in that uh, four kind of gets back to where, where one was going. And, you know, before we, we go on with what we should say, I, I, the if you want to find the show to watch, it's still available. You can still find it on Amazon, the, the complete season by Shout Factory on DVD. And that's what you want to get because Shout Factory went out of their way to get all the original music and put it all back in the show. Because when the show aired in reruns, they didn't have the rights to a lot of the music. So they had to dub in fake music yeah, and they dubbed in other actors doing the dialogue and jokes. And right. if you buy the seasons individually on Amazon, that's what you're going to get. Yeah, that's pretty terrible. Like we have the uh, Shout Factory version and, and it's great, except for one thing that you said was uh, ADR. Yes. At the end of the episode, the doctor's daughter, they clearly couldn't secure the rights to the song that originally played. So there's another song playing and it's clearly, you know, Andy comes in and is all excited because Johnny's playing a hit, which Johnny usually programs his own, his own stuff. Right. Like he's it's, into harder rock and the, and the sound of the time is either disco or like singer songwriter kind of, you know, light rock type of stuff. It's clearly not the voice of Gary Sandy. Okay. Who's, who's overdubbed in the end of it. Okay. I gotcha. Yes, Johnny Fever likes more classic rock. He plays a lot of, you know, 50s and 60s, um, some of the 70s stuff. But he's, yeah, clearly more interested in, in more um, traditional rock and roll. Um, Which will eventually make him the number one in Cincinnati overall. Yes, that's right. He ends up being number one. Um, uh, Venus ends up being number one with women, if, if I remember right. Women 18 to 35. 18 to 35, yep. Um, the show ends on a pretty strong note. Uh, I, I think it ends with a final episode that works reasonably well for something that wasn't expected to be a final episode. Yes, um, by, the end of the sh by the end of the show, Andy has brought them to number six. Yes. In an expanded market, because by that time, I think they say they're number six in a 22 radio station market right because you figure more fm stations are popping up because that's one of the contentions in that episode is they're like hey you know that she hired uh she mean mother carlson the, the person who actually owns the station um uh, arthur carlson's mother and um 
they say, and probably accurately, that, hey, look, you've kind of peaked at your audience with an AM station of your wattage, you know. Um, we don't know what to do with you. Like, you can't really go anywhere from here. Yes, at that time, and pretty much today, all AM formats are talk radio. Because right, talk radio, exactly. just doesn't carry the music fidelity as well. No, no. Like, from FM, you can get, like, studio quality, yeah. Um, you know, presuming you have the reception for it anyway. Um, my favorite episode, or at least one of my favorite episodes, if it's not Turkey's Away, but I think maybe my favorite episode is a uh, is in season three. Um, an otherwise decent season, but my favorite episode is the Doctor Fever and Mister Tide. <laughs> um, yes, season three, episode thirteen. Um, just a fantastic episode that Howard Hessman is just able to just chew every scene through and does it wonderfully. Um, it's an episode like you know I kind of want to watch the watch the show, and especially this uh, this episode anyway. Um, basically, you know the the thrill of fame and money gets the better of Doctor Fever. Like he's he's asked to do this um, dance show where he figures that he's going to be able to you know introduce and, and 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 play his own music. But you know again, I guess probably not understanding the premise of the show because again it's a dance show. And this is 1981, so it would have been like, uh, you know, a disco-related or at least pop-related dance show. Like a dance show, right? So, you know, he's already signed his contract, and the woman who signed the contract with him, the one who's running the show, is someone that um, I, I think, is he romant romantically involved in, with her or just wants to be? He wants he to is. be, but I don't yeah. think that, that she does basically lead him to, to entice him on to get him to agree to do certain things. Yeah, I wasn't that much is clear. I couldn't remember sure if they were already involved, but essentially, you know, being bound to his contract, um, he conjures up Riptide, who's super into, uh, you know, whatever, mostly, you know, whatever random pop music that, you know, Johnny Fever would absolutely hate. And his scenes as Mr. Tide are just fantastic. Like he gets full on into it, full on into dance mode. Um it's just fascinating. And then, you know, watching him trying to justify it later. Um, especially as Herb of all people is totally into it because you know Herb wants to make a fast buck as you know more than anyone else. Like Herb, Herb is totally, totally alongside with him, just you know, kind of selling out with this character and in and in Johnny's mind and somewhat correctly, he's like, hey, you know, Doctor Fever and, and uh, Riptide are two different things, and it's just um, I'm not trying to kind of you know I don't want to try to you know con convey the comedy of a fairly visual episode anyway, um, especially in his outfits that he ends up in. But um, well, I really love that episode. It's a it long literally becomes a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde mm -hmm. type of situation where even Johnny seems to stop forgetting who he is. Yes. <laughs> exactly. And we should point out that, you know, at the beginning, we learned that Johnny has had multiple radio personalities depending on the stations he's worked at and the format he's done. Right. Like if you're able to see his, it's hard to see it, but if you're ever able to see his mug, you can see all the names that he's had over the years crossed out. And That's what's on his copy mug definitely agree that this show is at the strongest when it it's about the station and the stuff going on at the station and you know the 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 foibles of like in the very in the second episode where they're having to deal with their loyal listeners that like the big band music and <laughs> all eight of the them station yeah. 
No, I, I'm I'm with you 100%. Like, as I went through my list of, like, you know, what do I consider to be the essential episodes? Like, what are the episodes that stood out to me? And um, just about all the ones that were my favorites or were exactly that. And, and again, tended to gravitate towards, you know, season one and four. Now, to be fair, I think it's a good show. And even the quote-unquote worst episodes, for lack of a better term, like, none of them are terrible. Um, it's still a good show. Uh, um, and if I were to watch this again, I'd probably watch through every single episode. But there are just, you know, some are better than others like any show well before we move on uh we got to do a little message from one of our sponsors oh sure todd do you like to fish um i don't fish but i like and and if you fish you want to use the best bait available don't you i mean i suppose i would well the best bait out there are red wigglers yes todd red wigglers are the cadillac of worms red that's what i've heard yes red wigglers are the cadillac of worms so look for Red Wigglers at your local bait and tackle shop. Red Wigglers, the Cadillac of Worms. Um, well, that goes. It's you know, it, it's funny, Matt, that you should do um, our ad spot for our new um, our new client uh, today. Um, that goes into another one of my favorite episodes, which is the one there where they have to do the jingle for the um, a funeral home. You mean our other sponsor, Mister Ferryman? <laughs> Mr. Fer- is that really his name? Yes. For it's real? Ferryman, I didn't even notice that. Ferryman Funeral Parlors. Ferryman, the mortician man who loves you a lot. I, for real, that's his name? I guess I didn't pick up on that. I'm really, that 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 embarrasses me. Um, the ferryman, Played by a man who probably could have, who was probably second choice to play, um, the tall man in the right. Phantasm series. Oh no, he like you. You look at him, and it's like, yeah, you would definitely play a mortician. <laughs> like, there's no question that you would play a mortician or something. Um, he's or awesome. Lurch That's an a, amazing a theater episode. production, a, a local theater production of the Adams Family. For real, yeah, no, that, that's that's a fantastic episode. Their jingle, it, I thought was great. Um, <laughs> hey, <laughs> you're young and swinging. No time to think about tomorrow, but there ain't no way to deny it. Someday you're gonna buy it. <laughs> it's that's a great episode. Um, and to show you how into the episode show I can sometimes get into shows that I really enjoy, it's like, yeah, it's in bad taste, and and they end up throwing. You know, this, this guy was yeah. willing to buy twenty spots a day. At yeah, $600 really a day when they were desperate in need of clients and, and, and advertising, but they decide they don't want to do it because it's in bad taste. But I mean, come on. Uh, yeah, that's the thing like that. That one, that one kind of bugged me. It's like I get that it is in bad taste, but that's really all it is. And, and you're deciding that taste, which is something that they'll bring up way later in season at the end of season three, I think, or I guess technically multiple times, because they're always, every so often they'll deal with some group that wants to shut them down because they're playing the devil's music. Well, and the thing is, this was what Ferryman wanted. Right. They were right. Doing... They hit a home run. Like, that's a fantastic jingle. Yes. I would go to that funeral. <laughs> that's what he, he was looking to advertise on a rock yeah. and roll station and advertise to young people. And he enjoyed the ad. It wasn't one of those where, like, it might have even made sense when the guy said, no, you're right. I don't want to advertise on your station. 
because it doesn't fit. No, they hit a home run with what he wanted. Completely. Well, because these are the same guys who, in another great episode, also in the first season, um, in Hoodlum Rock, like they're totally. Fu- well, again, these guys are obnoxious and they take it to like a you know a fifteenth degree. Um, but you know they're totally fine with the antics that Adult presents and like the punk scene presents or the proto punk scene presents. But what they get skeeved out by making a really effective commercial that the people who are listening to the music that they're programming would laugh their ass off at and probably really appreciate. Yes, like and we maybe are, even you know. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's just it's a real it's really weird. Yeah, it's a really weird writing in that case. It's a decent episode, but it's really weird writing. But we or I should also, say it's a great episode, but that, that whole motivation is weird. And the motivation of this show can get really strange at times. I think that, that they'll, they'll, they'll throw a laugh track on. We, we, we got to talk about the episode Hoodlum Work. Sure. Because it's, again, it's early in the change of format, and they're looking to promote a concert to get, you know, publicity for the station. And an old friend of Mr. Carlson, who has who's two books acts, happens to be the guy who can book Scum of the Earth, a popular punk rock band from Britain who's about to start an American tour. And he can get them for a really good price. Yep. So they book they book Scum of the Earth and uh, fly them over. They're going to kick off their American tour in Cincinnati. This is all great publicity. And they're even going to have Venus interview these three young men on live on the air to help promote the show, which is selling out because again, Carlson at first is a little, you know, he's, he's a little scared. Like, you know, I hear things about, you know, this punk rock and, and how they act. And, you know, I'm not sure it's, it's going to work. And, and Andy is like, no, this is, this is great. And it's all an act. It's right. It's it's promotion. Don't worry about it. So when they show up and they're dressed in suits and talking very nicely, Carlson's like, oh, yeah, all right, I guess this this will work. But as soon as those three clowns sit in the booth, they start explaining that, no, they're not punk rock. They're hoodlum rock. Hoodlum rock. <laughs> hoodlum. I love the way he says it. Hoodlum rock. <laughs> um. Which These yeah, like guys are brilliant. They're they're fantastic. They are like take take the most salacious and crazy parts of every behind the music of like every punk or metal band in and um that's what these guys are for like, and the these three the guys I should have looked up their names, but they're my whip pistol award winners for the show, the three of them. Yeah. Somebody yeah. there wins my whip pistol award for this show. I mean, since it was a TV show, I kind of forgot to pick one, but I'll, I'll piggyback on that. Yeah, no, I, I can definitely get behind that. Um, th- that's a fantastic episode. I forget, too, like one of them, I think the lead singer, is the singer of a band. He was a musician, and he actually came back as a regular character for the first season of the new WKRP in Cincinnati. Yeah, which, I mean, I, I don't know if you want to get into that. Like, I... I never well, really watched I it. Mean, I'm only vaguely aware of it, but I never what, watched it. I've only seen an episode or two, and basically, again, what happened, much like with the show What's Happening, this show was a huge hit in syndication. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what CBS didn't seem to get as they were moving it around the schedule is like, this show was popular. Up People and down, you could if say. If they could find it. So when it was big in syndication, they tried to bring it back as the new WKRP. 
Uh, it's fittingly enough, only Gordon Jump, Richard Sanders, and Frank Bonner were back as regulars. Right, the exact people who you'd think would be, yeah. And uh, almost everybody from the original cast made appearances except for Gary Sandy and Jan Smithers. Do you know why? I don't. No? No. But, yeah, that's that's a whole other thing. Yeah, One no, of I mean, the we best parts about Hoodlum, Hoodlum Rock is when they end up at their hotel room. And oh, they yeah. send Johnny Fever along to basically watch these guys. And Johnny Fever don't care. No, but in that way, he's probably the perfect one to watch them. Well, they are so desperate to impress him with their right. antics, and he's just not having it. In fact, he's only impressed when the guy dumps salad on his own head. He doesn't care that these guys are trashing the hotel room or whatever, because he's seen it all. Well, he barely cares when they throw, uh, I guess you were going to get to that. Well, he doesn't even see that the bellhop comes in, and the be- they grab the bellhop and throw him out the window. Right. And then they turn to Johnny and say, what floor are we on? And Johnny's like, the ground floor. Pity. Oh, they didn't kill the poor guy throwing him out the window. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Like, these guys are every, they're every, like, crazy band in a hotel or crazy band antic story rolled into one. Yes. And it's a yeah. really, it's a really fun episode. And yeah, they're fantastic in it. Uh, another one that I really enjoy, again, from the first season is when they're doing the live remote from this poor guy's, you yes. know, discount music store the stereo yeah yeah <laughs> that's a fun one you know he, herb gets him to, to buy into a live remote and a gunman comes in and holds them hostage because he's a former dj himself and he's just looking for a job in radio and he wants to hijack the the remote but my favorite character in this is bucky the engineer yes who <laughs> You know, he's knocking he's knocking over stereo equipment and breaking it. And the owner's like, what are you doing? I'm going to charge you for that. And, and Bucky's just like, you don't want to mess with me. You mess with me. You mess with my union. Right. And the guy's like, oh, yeah. Don't want to he's terrified. Yeah. Yeah. And then later. It's as, like you mentioned Darth Vader or something. Yeah. As the, 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 the gunman is holding them hostage, Bucky's leaving. And the gunman's like, where do you think you're going? It's my lunch break. I'm going on lunch. And he's like, no, you're not. Okay, but if I don't get my lunch break, you're going to have to take it up with my union. And the gunman's like, oh, no, no, no. I don't want to <laughs> the union. You can go. Yeah. You can go. And everything ends okay, you know. There are... Um, there's some great comedy, and there's also some uh, some some tragedy. Uh, yes, the there's a second, lot of commentary. Yep. In the second season, they comment. Uh, they do an episode specific to the real life tragedy yes. that took place in Cincinnati at a Who concert. Is it Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve, or something? 1980. Yeah. Um, where you know the rush of the crowd just crushed, and and you you. You, you can Google the, the event and, you know, a bunch of kids were, were crushed to death by the crowd showing up. Right. Rushing to get inside because it was general admission. So they were rushing yes. to get inside. And it was, it was our best yeah, back in the days where you could pay whatever the, there was a flat rate for the tickets and it was first come first serve for best seats. So that led to a rush of people 
early. And for years, I thought it was people had been trampled to death. But I guess what actually happened was, again, the pressure of the crowd, people were squeezed to death. Right. They were crushed. Right. And they weren't they they were because they were squeezed. They weren't even falling to the ground. They were just carried around with with the crowd. And the, because in the show, WRK, WKRP was one of the promoters for this concert. Right. They, we see the before and aftermath when they're all excited. Yes, the Who Rock concert. You know, we got tickets and we're going. And I'll go with you. We help promote it. This will be great for the station. Yeah. And we're all going to have a good time. Mr. Carlson, you've never been to a rock concert before. Yep. You're taking this on. This is going to be great. And then the next day, the crash of, you know, the reality of what happened about kids being killed and. You know, of course, Herb takes the whole, like, what do you expect's going to happen when you get a bunch of rowdy kids at a rock show? And it's like, no, that's not what it was. And and Mr. Carlson at first thinks it's a bad joke because I was there. I didn't see anything happen. I'm like, no, nobody did. Even the Who didn't know what was going on. Right. No, you know, ex- was, exactly. And and it's it was done with taste. And I there was apparently a lot of question as to whether they were going to not only make and air the episode because of you know the subject matter but you know they they did a, an excellent job and and that pretty much led to the end of festival seating or um general admission seating at concerts yep because of that yep you know um I forget what season it was, but there's the two-part episode where there's the bomb threat. Yes. And Andy sends Venus and uh, Johnny Fever to the transmitter. Right, because they assume the bomb is in the station that they have to evacuate and so on. And we get a lot of, like we said, we love how Venus and Johnny work together. This is a great example of that. Yes. They're fantastic together. They're oh. absolutely fantastic together. I'm I'm kind of surprised, uh, and maybe it was ever proposed, but I'm kind of surprised we never saw a spinoff with them or something. The, the, I I already just lost track because we were talking about the more dramatic episodes. Yeah. Who is Gordon Sims? Yes. Where we find out Venus's backstory and how he is a deserter from the army, and that he actually served his full tour of duty in Vietnam but a really dark experience he encountered on his way back to Vietnam basically just made him walk away with only, you know, and, and, you know, things are resolved well, but man, is it, it's, it's a dark story. And Tim Reed does an excellent job of recounting it. Tim, yeah, no, Tim Reed, uh, Venus Flytrap is, is he, well, again, there's a lot of favorite characters in the show. It's an excellent show. Um, but Tim Reed, Tim Reed seems to handle most of the uh, times where they're trying to be sincere or deal with something somewhat serious. Um, and uh, he, he usually does it great. Yes, and he has to put up with a lot of that. Um... He has to put up with a lot of overt and subtle racism. Yes, that is usually played for laughs and is done more in the the. It's oh those crazy white people kind of thing. Well, but it's also know? an ignorant, yeah, racist, yeah. not a hate racism. 
you know right right like they're totally fine with him they're just yeah exactly they just say dumb shit to him all the time like very right ignorant, like, right Les Nesman is like I don't know if you've noticed but there's a lot of black people in sports nowadays right you know that that type of stuff but he I loves mean, the Negroes I love the Negroes yeah. yeah I mean there's another joke again that they wouldn't probably get away with today Oh, I think I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, I don't even want to bring it up. Right. But I yeah. think it's is it the one where like Mr. Carlson when he's like, you know, yes, Mr. Carlson needs something to do. Yeah, 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 um, exactly. There's, and that's that's yeah, like that's some show, especially in like a 2022 lens, like there is definitely, you know, places where the show goes that puts a laugh track down and where you're just kind of like, ah, that's sure this is supposed to be funny. But it's not even so much that the episode itself is bad. It's just like, all right, you're actually telling a compelling thing here. I, I see what you're doing, but like, it's not funny. Like, this is supposed to be a sitcom. Yeah, um, and, and I really I wanted to figure out a way that we could avoid talking about it, but I think it would be irresponsible if we didn't. Not sure. that we're responsible journalists here, but... Hey, we're noted film historians. Um, noted, noted media historians and curators and it's the third episode of the first season, less on a ledge. Yes, this is a this is a tough one. Again, not even so much because of the subject matter. Like I don't and, even disagree with any of that. It's just how they do it. Yes, and they try to be progressive, but they hit the mark so poorly. Right? No, they. Yeah, yeah. They because of Les Nesman just being an awkward fellow, right? And just doesn't know how to interview sports stars. It's a rumor breaks out that Les Nesman is a homosexual and he will be banned from the locker room at the sporting events because of that. Right. And. Which now, like, the, again, like this is this comedy. So, you know, laugh tracks happen in places where you're just like, really? <laughs> well, and they, they take this label of him being a homosexual as if he's been accused of child molestation. Right. Like, Les turns suicidal because Literally, if this yes. gets out, he goes out on the ledge and they try to play it both ways where, where Gordon Jump and, and Gary Sandler are like, we know it's not true, but even if it was true, it wouldn't be a big deal. But we know it's not true. Right. Now, and then when Herb's trying to talk him down off the ledge, it's like, um, you know, Les, it wouldn't matter to me if you were gay, but I know you're not gay, so people shouldn't say you're gay. And it's, it's well, plus, really like, it's very cringe-inducing now. It, it is, yeah. Like, and the thing is, I feel like this would even be like I'm surprised it wasn't cringe-inducing in the late '70s, even. Like, this just is just well, weird to present as 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 comedy. But at the same time, and I do want to point this out, I'm not trying to say like, oh, you know, cancel it or any of that sort of thing. I do think the episode is compelling and makes a compelling statement. It's just like this is supposed to be a sitcom. Like, make up your mind with where you're going here. Like, you know, choose a tone kind of deal. Um, you know what I mean? Like it, like if if without a sound without a laugh track, the episode reads different and it's probably fine. It's like an unusual episode, but it's just gonna like okay, yeah, that was weird. It's just it's just weird what they thought we should be laughing at. Yeah, and I just you know again, I know it was a different time, but the idea that you might be mistaken as a homosexual being a reason to like your career and and unfortunately, at Beckley then it was well. That's the thing, know, like it's, a it's, career killer, but. 
it's not even the sentiment, even necessarily the fact that he thought it might drive. I mean, he's just like a simple farm boy, right? So I could even understand why he'd be like, oh, God, you know, and, and even consider to end it. But again, that's just, I don't know if that's subject for a sitcom, guys. Like, I don't know if that's a laugh tracky thing. Like, that's that's like an HBO series kind of storyline. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what we're doing here, you know? It was a bad idea and it was poorly handled. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But, um, yeah, um... I guess don't let the rest of the show suffer for it because again, yes. it, it's it is, it is a compelling and very and very funny more often than not show. I would not be surprised. I mean, I look this show isn't currently on any streaming services, but I, I can I, almost guarantee if it was, this episode would be one of the ones they pull. I'd be stunned. Yeah, I'd be stunned if you could still still see this episode on anything anymore. Um, which is probably I don't I don't know how I feel about that, but yeah, I think whatever. It's for it, the it, best. I mean, it's yeah, it, you're not missing anything, you know. No, <laughs> I, I'm sure I'm sure it might be something. Well, I guess I can't speak for them, but I guess I wouldn't be surprised if it was something the writers would like to have back and be like, you know what, never mind that one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> ignore that one because <laughs> it doesn't really serve much for the rest of the show, except it, it's literally the third episode. But one thing it does kind of do is it makes the rest of the things that are somewhat but nice maybe not as much questionable um you know it it, it lands a little easier i guess because <laughs> it's like well they already did that so i guess let's just see where the rest of this goes yeah no 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 it's 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 an unfortunate it's an unfortunate entry in in an otherwise well done show and sure. like even like a lot of the other things like you know the and, and, and if you're into the um, entertainment industry, especially radio, it's a it's a it's a prescient one. Like I thought it was fascinating, all the stuff that they were talking, like all the stuff they were afraid of, like the automated stations and, um, you know, salacious advertising becoming. A th- I thought that was all really interesting to see their perspectives from 40 years ago and be like, yeah, you're right about all of them. <sighs> oh, well, well. And- <laughs> There was the episode about the the conservative group that says, "Well, right. here's a list of songs we don't want you to play anymore because we're they're objectionable." And at first, Mr. Carlson, Gordon Jump, is like, "Well, you know, is it really that big a deal? We don't play these songs anymore. You know, it's they, you know they got a list of songs, and then everybody's like, no, because once we pull those songs, there's going to be another list, right? And another list. And when Gordon Jump finally realizes that they were right." You know, like there's some everybody's going to object to something. Right. And and that kind of goes back to and again, I'm not telling you this is bad writing or anything like that, or like I'm not casting aspersions on the show by doing this. This just shows evolution. Like people evolve. This happens, right? I mean, um this these are the same this is the same people though who are the ones who had to turn down the money for the uh mortician making the snazzy ad for his you know what I mean? It seems a little hypocritical, but again, but, that's how things happen over four years. Like that's the fourth season. This was the first that, you know, the more, the, the, the mortuary thing, the, the funeral home rather was the first season. Now this is the fourth season. Like he, even, even Gordon jump is getting into it. And, like he's and starting think, to get it. And that's important. That's important growth. That's a, it's good writing. As you pointed out, the ferryman mortician ad, they may have decided to play in the later seasons sure when when gordon jumps character was more comfortable with what was going on right like i think i think number six in the market season four gordon jump probably plays that ad he probably likes it he probably thinks it's funny you know whatever and i think and again again i'm again i'm not saying that's bad writing i'm not saying oh that's an inconsistent character i'm saying no that's evolution the the show does a good job it's it's a well-written show 
But in that episode, that conservative group starts, you know, telling the station's advertisers that, well, we'll boycott you. So they start losing advertisers. And one of the advertisers who'd been with the station for a while and is clearly friendly with Mr. Carlson says, well, you know what? I was going to pull my ads, but you know what? Let's show these guys something. I won't pull my ads and we'll go down together and join and, and, Gordon Jump is like, no, no, no. I understand. I don't want to see your business fail too. You go ahead and pull the ads and we'll we'll be fine. And apparently they were because again, you lose, yes. you know, you lose the advertisements of like maybe soap and detergent, but you know, you'll find like ones that do want to advertise on a radio station. Well, that's the thing. Like, yeah, if you're changing format. Right. You, if you're changing format, you'd have to think that like certain advertisements just don't fit anymore anyway. And that's just how it goes. You know, uh, the the final episode of the first season is a good one, too, where they have to confront the preacher who does yeah. his, his Sunday morning broadcast. But, you know, he's kind of charlatan. That's a really fun episode, too. Yeah. The wrestling preacher. Yeah. The, the former wrestler. Who who sells you know the the Last Supper dinnerware? <laughs> Unfortunately, I can't remember most of them now. But one of my favorite running gags on the show were the um, commercials that did play. Like every so often, you would get a clip of a commercial, and it was always something really silly. Um, one of my one of the ones that stood out to me the most was something started something along the lines of like, um, you know, green meat used to be something you threw out but not anymore. And then like yeah. it changes. And I'm like, I kind of wanted to know where that was going, but I also didn't. Right. Right. Yeah. There's the one that, that was for a uh, uh, retirement home yeah. that they played a while. And, and that even um, Herb Tyler is one of Herb Tyler's longest running customers. And again, um, Andy wants them to drop that advertisement because it doesn't fit the rock and roll format, which is fair. Yeah entirely fair but again it's also like you got to take when when you're you need money beggars right. can't be yeah. choosers right right yes the mother because the mother which we didn't even get to mother carlson um who's a relatively prominent character i mean she features in a number of episodes and her you know her sort of damocles as it were is constantly hanging over the show um yeah it, it, it's 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 um it's it's that's that's what that was about you well, here's the thing that i found that at first i thought was odd very early in season one, they do a clip show. Yeah. Yeah. They go straight into a clip show pretty quickly. Yeah. And from, I guess what happened was CBS pulled the show after a few episodes originally and then found out, no, there was a fan base. Oh, really? So they, so didn't they put the effort. show on hiatus. And I believe what happened is they put that clip episode together to air when they started the show back up again so that oh. the audience could catch up. Oh, okay. But yeah, that's a, that's an important mother Carlson episode. Okay. Uh, yeah. No, yeah. That's the, yeah. It's probably, it might be the most important in a way. Yeah. This is, this is a fun show. We highly recommend it. I, I actually recommend if you're a fan of classic television classic sitcom and especially the type of stuff they just don't do anymore i think it's worth the investment of of finding if you can find the shout factory complete series i think it's it's a worthwhile addition to your collection 
Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't. I mean, yeah, yes, absolutely, watch the show if you can get it. But yes, I also agree. Um, at least I, I think because like, I, I haven't watched any of the um, Amazon ones that you mentioned. You know, we watch the DVDs that you have. Um, I can't imagine that if like I, I don't know how much that was changed and had to be ADR to work around all these like music issues. But I mean, that can't be good for the show. Apparently it was a lot. I, if you go onto Amazon and, and see the individual seasons and you see the reviews, that's all people are talking about. Yeah, like I that's would say, the, the show is edited and it's it just some of the jokes aren't even you know <sighs> don't land as well. Yeah, I would say then definitely avoid that because here's the thing: like the show, you know, even even when it delves into episodes that don't really have as much to do with the station, it primarily takes place there, as one would imagine. And most of um, Flytrap and Fever, or a lot anyway, are spent in the booth introducing or coming out of records, as one would expect. So that's like a lot of their dialogue would have to be changed. That's ridiculous. Yes, I mean I understand too, like licenses being what they are. But yeah, man, that would just that would destroy the show. It would well, be like, I I don't know. It would be like watching um, Taxi, but then having someone else entirely do like Louis' voice for some reason. I was I, like, why? I, <laughs> I doubt you'll ever see the show on Blu-ray because it was shot on videotape, and it just wouldn't. You know, the the expense to make it look good <laughs> would just be, it just wouldn't be there on the return. I mean, yeah, I mean, they're full frame and 480i, obviously, because that's what you got in 1979. But the Shot Factory DVDs look really good. Well, that's great. Like, know, even Shout... on a large TV, they did a, good, they did a damn good job with that. Yeah, Shot Factory, you know, goes all out. And yeah. that's, you know, usually why, you know, because they're a boutique label. Sometimes you pay a little bit more, but I just checked, I checked on Amazon. This set that I have is currently going for $42. Which I think is worth the investment. Yeah, you get all four seasons. That's just over ten dollars a season. Yeah, uh, absolutely. No, I'm with you. I, yeah, I think, and it's it's they it's already out. Ten fifty a season, worth it. Uh, Shout Factory isn't making these anymore, so just what what's out there is what you're gonna get. Yeah, no, like if you're a fan of um, Taxi or even maybe something even more contemporary, like there's some vibe about this to me. Uh, there, there's some parallels to me with even something like The Office, say. Um, the Office and News Radio, if you remember. News oh, Radio. News Radio, especially. I loved that show. That might be something maybe we can cover if we can get a hold of that. News Radio was brilliant. But yeah, no, wh like if, if any of that is is up your alley, it's absolutely worth the 10 50 a season. And Again, this is definitely a very 70s, 80s style sitcom where some of the episodes are just like these wild shenanigans they get into. Like, you know, oh, we got to break into this guy's office to steal the film that this yeah. guy took nude photos of Jennifer and, you know, shenanigans type of, of nonsense. But yeah. it's a really fun show. And it's it's. um you know, it's it's a time capsule. It's it's absolutely a time yes. capsule. Like it's it's it really does capture the time in, incredibly well. If that's something you're into, so even from like a historical perspective, it's it's worth seeing. If you're, and I'm sure there's fans of radio broadcasting out there, it's sure. worth checking out. Yeah, exactly. If you're into radio broadcasting, even podcasting, because uh, I mean, honestly, like some of the shows, some of the stuff that this show goes over is largely the reason why podcasting is successful. Like if you listen, if you still listen to terrestrial radio, like on FM, like, like, you know, rock radio, I mean, yeah, you kind of see where things went. Um, and, and programming is so different now that people just started doing it themselves. I mean, censorship has been a never ending battle. 
sure you know, in, yeah, in, among in, among programming in general like whether it's whether it's in music or television or or you know even movies i mean i remember when i first heard about like automated stations i didn't really know that was a thing until i don't know probably the 2000s i didn't realize they were already talking about well, that as far back as they were you had to know about it from night of the comet this is true yeah this is true this is true we should do an episode on that that's a good movie one of it's one of our more popular episodes. Fantastic. Multiple people have listened to it. <laughs> <laughs> like like more than five, I think, the last time I Wow. We so, nearly have a we nearly have most of a hockey team. We we definitely recommend this show. Um, sure. other recommend like we are I think we already kind of said our we've even done episodes on other like Taxi sure. and, and Welcome Back Cotter and and News Radio. Would be the other recommendations. Um, you know what? If, if you're you're fans of um, that movie, I think it was called FM. I don't think I've seen it. Um, it's basically inspired by the same people that inspired the show. Okay. Or how about the Weird Al movie UHF? Just there I you talked go. about that movie in a while, and it's a fun movie. You know, it's funny that you should bring that up. Really? You you guessed. Guess what movie I will be going through on my way to bridge this to the Magnificent Seven? Oh, fantastic. Let's do it. All right. So Gordon Jump starred in this show. Gordon Jump appeared in a couple of, I think, two episodes of Seinfeld, where he played the head of Play Now. Yes, that's right. Play Now. So, of course, in Seinfeld was Michael Richards. Yes. Michael yep. Richards was in UHF with sure Weird Al, but more importantly, he was in UHF with Kevin McCarthy. Okay. Kevin McCarthy starred in the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Whit Bissell was in the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers, and Whit Bissell was also in The Magnificent Seven. Well done. I didn't even try. And I just assumed you would somehow go through like um, Howard Anderson or Howard Hessman. Yeah. Or Tim Reed. Yeah. Well done. Let's just, you know, before we close this up, let's just say some of the other places, you know, you, you mentioned Gordon Jump, but he, I think he was most famous as not only the show, but as he played the Maytag sale, the Maytag repairman in the advertisements for that show for, for many, many years. Uh, Lonnie Anderson uh, famously married to Bruce Burt Reynolds for a while before a very um, nasty divorce, apparently. Um, Howard Hesman was in another show we enjoyed as kids, head of the class. And you can yeah. see Howard Hesman in so many things. For instance, another insider rock and roll comedy, um, This is Spinal Tap. Oh, that's right. He's he's in that. Um, Tim Reed was in that '70s show as a recurring character for a little while. Doesn't as doesn't, well as the, doesn't uh, Hessman make an appearance in that '70s show as well? I'm sure he. For some reason, he, I just assume. He yes, does, he yes. does. Yeah. Yes, he um he was in a, a radio station manager in that. Okay, yeah. In fact, he appears in that same episode as my favorite rock rock and roller, Alice Cooper. Oh, right on. Um. And then Tim Reed was um, the older Mike Hannigan in the TV version of it. 
I completely forgot that. It wasn't until you reminded me, maybe it was last week or something. Um, and then, like, yeah, I can totally see Mike in my head. And, like, of course, that's Tim Reed. I don't know how I forgot that. Um, Frank Bonner and, and made numerous television. And he also directed a lot of television. Did he really? In fact, he directed a couple episodes of WKRP. Oh, neat. I didn't and know Les that. Nessman, and Richard Sanders wrote a couple of the episodes as well. Oh, right on. I wonder which ones. I'll have to look it up. Uh, well, I, you know, I, I guess uh, we've kind of gone on about the show for a while. Uh, I think we can wrap things up here unless you've got anything else to say. No, um, I think we're good. I think we just got to. Yeah, I think that's it, man. This, this was a this was an awful lot of fun to revisit. Um, it was a breeze through the episodes. Um, very well paced. Again, very compelling stuff. Um absolutely check it out yeah 10 uh, to 10 50 a season it's 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 worth it like if it's something that you wanted to have in your collection definitely get it before because that's only going to get worse um i assume shop factory is not producing them anymore so no, no. get, get it while you can it's out of, already out of print on shop factory so get it before the you know the scalpers get it and put it up yeah. at ridiculous prices because i would say if you can't see that version it's probably and this this pains me to say it but if you can't see that version it's probably not worth seeing because like two of the major characters mostly talk over music as they fade in and out because that's just their job and if that music isn't there and their voice has to be ADR like that's so much of the show just lost or at least disrupted like is it the most important dialogue they're speaking at that point I mean maybe not I'd have to go well, episode to episode but it's it's disruptive it's weird it's distracting like who wants that well yeah especially like I said the one example I found on the Shelf Factory discs is very distracting yeah all right. Yeah. So, well, that'll wrap up this episode. Sure. As always, we thank you for listening. You thank can you. find us on Twitter at Movie Matt Soroyce and on Instagram at Movie Matt Soroyce, all one word M O V I E M A T T S I R O I S. And we thank you for listening and hope to have you back next time. Thank you, everyone.